Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of your favorite celebrities. This is Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah. Today is going to be a good one, people. Today is a good one because this is a conversation that you wouldn't expect me to have. And the fact that I get to have it makes it even doper because this is the type of position that I'm now in in life. I got I got the opportunity to talk to whomever, however, based off of what this podcast now is because it's called Gold Mines. I don't have to tell you again. It's called Gold Mines. By this time, you should know what it's called. It's no longer Comedy Gold Mines. It's Gold Mines because I'm tapping into all mines of gold. And this mine is one in particular that I'm not only a fan of, I can say we've become distant friends. Right? Like, it's it's a distant friendship because without saying much, we say enough. And when we see each other, there's a light up that happens based off of expectation, personality, and understanding of what we both do. Ladies and gentlemen, I got Anderson Cooper on gold mines. How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> Anderson, hey. When I got the email, I was like, why the fuck would he want to talk to me? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> thrilled. So Anderson, let me tell you like what what the dope thing is about he's Anderson's <laughs> Anderson just took a shot of Grand Coromino and I'll explain I'll explain the uh the synergy and the reference in a minute. <laughs> so Anderson, what this podcast does, man, it like it gives me an opportunity to talk to people that I just really I'm interested in talking to in general, right? These are just yeah, cool. these are just real conversations, and through these conversations, um, you know, our listeners get to take away a different understanding of who we are, and more importantly, just uh, how how great of an understanding you can walk away with of a person after you just have dialogue, right? Mm. Um, especially when you don't know, and this is something like where. I'm just like, I want to know more. I want to know how you got to where you got, how it started, et cetera. So Anderson took a shot for Grand Cormino because uh, this New Year's uh, on that countdown on CNN, you know, Anderson and Andy, they do it every year. By the way, one of the best things that CNN have going on is the combination of Anderson and Andy on New Year's. And the reason why is because in the past, you know, they've been able to drink and they've gotten loose. And if you know the two of them, you know, they're no... 
they're no punks with their words, right? They they don't turn into bitches when it's time to say what they feel uh, and express. And on these on these countdowns, you know, when that little liquor has gotten in the system, things have been said, right? <laughs> things have been said. Some verbal warfare has been had. And this New Year's, CNN fucking took the, they took the alcohol away. They didn't want them drinking. And I didn't like it when I when I got on because I didn't know. And I, you know, I expected to go on and, and see my guys like lit a little bit and to have a good time and drink. And because they weren't, I took shots for them. Actually, I took I took about four of them and, and then did a show afterwards. You made the night. You were you were that was the best live shot I have ever seen, will ever see. And the whole crew, by the way, the camera people who were shooting it with you in Vegas, like they were texting me afterward, like, oh my God, he is the greatest guy on the fucking planet. Oh, and that's uh, so dope. Yeah, you were, you were, you were off the hook. You were amazing. Yeah. And I, I mean, and I, like the reason I want to talk to you, frankly, is because not only do I think you are brilliantly funny, um, I just really respect the work that you do. And I can't believe you even have the time to add a podcast into all the, the the stuff you do. I'm going to tell you something. You must have like a chief of staff or something like a presidential level I do. chief of staff. I, I definitely do. And I don't have the time, but I make the time. Yeah. But let's start with the personal side. Nobody talks about the personal side. Not married, right? Uh, I am not married. I have a weird situation. I I have two kids. Okay. Um, And I am raising them with my ex. Okay. And we still live in the same house. Okay. I like it. We get along great. It's, I was going to say, wait, this is like, it's, it's a good situation. It's not like a violent house. No, it's a, it's a great situation. Yeah. We get along great. Okay. We, just, we didn't work out as a couple, but we love each other. And, um, yeah, I live in an old, well, yeah, you, you've actually been in my house. So I live in an old firehouse. So it's a pretty big space. And, uh, no, you told me, you said I shot something in your house. Yeah. yeah you shot a commercial <laughs> with David Beckham in my house. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's such a small world. It's such a small world. So I love that. I mean, how do you reach the the side of understanding of, you know, look, we didn't work out, but for us to break up this household and, you know, um, take away the idea of family. Well, you know, what's weird is he, he didn't want kids, which is one of the reasons we broke up. And then okay. when I, I went ahead with the process and when uh, our son was born, he had a complete revelation. And Absolutely. so I... You know, embraced him as a parent, even after like it wasn't something that we had the child and then we broke up. We consciously chose to raise this child together from the get go. I would assume that that comes from just knowing the knowing the other person as well. Like you know, yeah, you know that the other person is signing up to be an amazing parent. Right, they're choosing this. It's not an accidental thing. And um, and also, I my dad died when I was ten years old, and suddenly I was with my mom, who it was an amazing person, but I didn't really know her all that well because she had been working all the mm-hmm. time. And um, and I know what, and I was desperate to have more people in my life as a little kid. I wanted. I wanted some adult to like step in. My mom was great, but she wasn't the most parental person in the world. I wanted somebody to like an adult, you know, a friend of my mom's or somebody to like step in and like engage with me. What age did you realize that? Like when, when you say that, when you go like my mom wasn't. Oh, I knew that from the time I was like seven. Really? I mean, yeah. 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 My dad was very engaged. My mom, my mom was great. I mean, she wanted to be engaged. She just, she didn't know what a family was like. She hadn't really had a family of her own. Um, But anyway, with my, my son, I realized 
I want there to be a lot of people in this world who love my son and who are engaged with his life from the very beginning. And if something happens to me, there will be plenty of people in his life. Like when I was a kid, I wanted a board of directors. That was my fantasy, that there would be like a, a board that I could go to maybe once a month. And there'd be like somebody who knew how to pay taxes. There'd be somebody who knew how to like give, you know, life advice. And that's sort of, that was my fantasy as a kid and it never happened. So I wanted to create a little board of directors for my kids. <laughs> that may be the best breakdown of what from from the world of love, household, family, et cetera. The comparison of a board of directors <laughs> and understanding what different people uh, yeah. specialize in, what yes, they're good exactly. at, yeah. that you can go and tap in is one of the most brilliant things <laughs> that I've ever heard. Like I, re I realized that I, I was so, you know, from the time I was a little kid, I was very much wanting to be in control of things. I wanted to like, I started working when I was 11 as a child model because uh, I knew my mom, my mom was amazing and had, you know, Your made a lot of money. Interesting. Jesus, Anderson. Go. I knew she, I knew she made a lot of money, but, but, but I also knew that she was spending more than she uh, was sustainable. How did you have all this information as a child? Why were you so in tune? I, I used to listen to her phone calls. I like, I was <laughs> finally... I was finely tuned to everything going on in my house. Okay. And when you, and you know, when like I, in my case, you know, my dad died when I was 10 and all of a sudden I find myself in this house. My brother was two years older and my mom, I'm suddenly with this person who I didn't know all that as well. And I was like, I need to know what the hell is going on. So I read her journals. I listened to the phone calls. <laughs> I made a study of her. And I was like, and in fact, I'll tell you the truth. I was walking up the stairs one day in my house and I heard her on the phone saying to somebody, well, I'll always be able to make money. And I stopped on the stairs. I think I was 12 or 13 at the time. I stopped on the stairs and my blood run ran cold. And I said to myself, this ship is going down. I need to oh build a God. life raft. And that's what I did. I started working. How are you that? This shows, by the way. Let me just show you the difference in culture, the difference in understanding <laughs> of of longevity. I was a weird kid. I was a weird yes, kid. Your your idea of, oh my God, I gotta take matters into my own hands yes. and get a job at the age of yes. eleven and twelve yes. is so significantly different uh than what minds would have been in that same situation. <laughs> I just want to let you know. But I, I I don't believe that. I believe, I mean, the way you work now, you must have been driven from the from early on no it it's the the discovery and new love of oh my god this is what i want to do huh. elevated the drive uh, the okay. fear of i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do right i didn't take advantage of school i didn't have you know the the plan i was like i'm right. at this sneaker store i guess i'll i guess i'll just run this out until it uh -huh. <laughs> and then finding the 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 thing called comedy and then going, oh my God, That's I think it. this is it. Right. Then realizing I can do it, then getting good at it, then understanding and noticing all the other things that it could take me to. So the the drive, the drive constantly got like bigger and mm. was fed by the one of more based right. off of what I saw. Mm. You're what you're telling me is like you were just this fucking witty kid with uh such a such a high level of understanding 
for I want to say I want to say like future like you you a kid that's a kid that has that mindset that's like okay mom is doing this she does this she makes this but she's not here she's not present well you know what I do wish I had somebody around I wish that there were other people around to spend time with dad does it but god you know what if the ship goes down what am I going to do how right. am I going to fit that's a different fucking way of thinking anderson yeah it's not a healthy way of thinking i'm not i'm not proposing this like i I, uh (laughs) although i do kind of want my kids to have a little bit of that feeling of like absolutely of like you know i want to make things happen but but i i Mm -hmm. didn't know what direction to go in i i and i what didn't i wasn't efficient i just i was afraid that i i knew i was on a sinking ship and i realized i need to figure out how to survive. And so I started like, I'm just going to sound ridiculous, but I started, I started taking survival courses, uh, like you in the wilderness. You're kidding me. No. When you I'm have like to be kidding 16, me. I started, I did you are, a couple you, of those. Anderson Cooper is the new Dos Equis, man. <laughs> you are the most interesting man on and the planet. So I started like, working as, as, a, as a, I started working as 12 or so as a model. Uh, for like Macy's and I was a Ford modeling agency. I worked as a waiter, worked in an office. Um, and, and then I started doing these survival courses. And then I convinced my high school that I could leave a semester early and ride in a truck across sub-Saharan Africa. Cause I thought, okay, now I need to just go, like, I need to, I need to see how other people survive. I need to go to places where survival is a real issue where like people are living lives that are very different than mine. I need to see this. And then I realized, like, I was interested in news and I watched all the TV mm-hmm. news and I, out of college, all the stuff I wanted to do, I couldn't really do because I was gay. You, like, I was thinking about being in the military. Uh, were, you, were you openly out at this time or was or I came out you... to like some friends in high school and, okay. uh, but I didn't, I didn't tell my mom, I didn't tell my mom until my, right after my, right after I graduated college. Um, okay. and, uh, and then I was open at work initially. And then the more famous I became, I, and basically the people I was dating were not famous, were not in the public eye and, uh, in some cases not out at work, their work. And so I sort of, I was also traveling to a lot of really dangerous places by that point, all by myself without any security. How did you get to that point? Right? Like, 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 by the way, this is. It's so fucking dope. I mean, just what you're saying, how how we have gotten here is absolutely, it's one of the most seamless, energized conversations that I've ever had. Like, that, the connecting dots are insane. Right? Like, we went from you modeling. It's, no, it's good. It's great. Like, I'm, I'm with you. Like, you're modeling at the modeling. You get a job at the office, but you wanted to take this crazy trip in high school because you wanted to see how people survived in doing that. Right. There's a new energy and found love for just like, oh, my God, this is like information, news. How the fuck do you land, like, the opportunity to get there? So my, uh, my, I had a brother who was two years older than me, my senior of college, right before my senior college, he died. He killed himself uh, in front of my mom. He jumped off the balcony of our apartment building. Wow. Not to bring it down, but, (laughs) um, uh, so I, you know, obviously that was traumatic and I, you know, all my senior year, I was kind of taking care of my mom, but I was still going to school. And I realized that, I, I didn't really deal with his death. And I, you know, I had this, I was very sad. I was worried 
about my own ability to survive in the world as I always had been. And so I decided I wanted to be around places. I felt like nobody spoke about grief and loss. And I felt like I okay. had, and nobody, you know, people don't, it makes people very uncomfortable. Um, and so I wanted to be places where the language of loss was spoken. I decided when I graduated mm. college, I was interested in news. I got an entry-level job as a fact checker in a news place. And I realized after six months, I don't want to be a fact checker. I think I want to be a reporter and I want to go places where there are people are, where there's conflict and there's people are wrestling with survival. So I, I had a friend make a fake press pass. I borrowed a camera and I started going to wars in uh, a famine in Somalia, the war in Bosnia, the genocide in Rwanda, South Africa, and the elections in Mandela, that, all, all during the early 90s. That's what I did. This is absolutely insane. And, <laughs> I mean, now, because now, like, okay, you, it's just like, dude, you were always a kid with purpose. Uh, I was, yes, I was, yeah, I had a lot of purpose. I didn't know what the purpose was, but other than just, like, I need to figure things out. Now, what about the side of danger that, that presented itself? I mean, like, you know, when you, you were putting yourselves in some environments yeah, sure. that were absolutely, like, just for lack of a better word, is not safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I did a lot of really stupid stuff. Was there a rush attached to these things? So I thought a lot about that. Um, I, I, there's, I mean, there's undeniably adrenaline involved when you're in these situations. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it was more of like, I think because of my brother's death, it was more of sort of testing the boundaries of... Um, yeah, just sort of testing the boundaries, like coming. I mean, one, I was, I was, you know, I was horrified by things that were happening around the world, and I liked the idea of being able to bear witness to it. The idea of people dying in silence and having their stories not told continues to make me sad to this day. Um, but I also wanted to be places where the sadness I felt inside was all around me, and it felt oddly like an equilibrium. It felt like it makes sense. Um, and it was a place where wow. it was okay to be sad and you could talk about death because it was all, I'm, you know, in a war zone, people are, you know, it, it is life and death. It's no joke. And um, you have real conversations with people. All the bullshit is swept aside. It's like finding, you know, a, a, a shark on the deck, on the dock that's been like gutted. I mean, everything is raw and real and there's no bullshit. And when you're in pain, it's nice to be around places where there is no bullshit, where it's very Damn. real and raw. And you can, uh, yeah. At any point in doing this, in, in, in this new discovery of self and this new uh, world where purpose is like properly understood for you, like you, I get it. I know the thing that I want to do and I know mm. how I'm going to go about doing it. Um, was there ever a moment where you said to yourself, like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this oh, all is... the time. Yeah. No, all the time. I mean, I was really? in, okay. I was in Sarajevo in the war in Bosnia and Sarajevo was this, you know, cosmopolitan city. The Olympics had been there, I think in 84 and all of a sudden it was surrounded, uh, you know, by a enemy force of Serbs in the, in the mountains around who were lobbing mortars into the city. And for three years, the residents were just being picked off. Um, yeah, I was in, you know, there was one place to stay in Sarajevo. It was the Holiday Inn. It happened to be right on the front line. So you didn't want to stay in the rooms that faced the front because those were all blown out. So, uh, you know, at night, you, there were 
you know, mortars coming through. And yeah, it was, it was, I was terrified a good deal of time. I knew people who were doing the same thing I did, who, who got killed doing it. I was very lucky and I did a lot of really, really stupid stuff, but, um, I, I didn't see any alternative. Like I, for me, this was not, it wasn't about trying to achieve, like, I didn't think this would be my career. I didn't think anybody would even pay to, you know, I don't think I could make a career of this, but I was learning so much. It felt like I it felt like I had to do this. It felt like there was no, I had no choice because it was so compelling and, and I wanted to see what, like I wanted to experience like what life is like for many people on the planet. And it just seemed like I was just compelled to do this. And I can't believe it, it turned out into a career that to me is like, it makes no sense. Well, not just a career. It turned out into a fucking like massive career. I mean, when you think about your name, well, it's not, it's not it. Like you think about it, think about the places that you have, that you've thrown yourself in. Like what we just discussed, the war zones, like the, the heat of battle that you went and, and like were, feet on the ground, but to get the real story, to talk to the real people, to get a real understanding. You know, you come back now and you walk through those hallways of CNN or anywhere else and you have the young journalists that are looking at you, looking up to you. Like, um, has that sunk in? Like, have do you actually understand what you mean to the world of journalism? Have you had that, like, epiphany for self yet uh, now that you sit 55 and they're like, well, I'm more reserved. I take time off. I do things at home. I write. Now that you look back and you think about those younger, the younger versions of that are coming up that are looking for the same things or, or trying to discover the same things, you act as an example. I don't know about that. You do? I, well, I don't you don't think so? I, I, don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, you don't I mean, think I, that you're a blueprint for a way to get there? I, I think the way I got there is a highly risky way that I don't really encourage other people to do. Because um, I wouldn't but, either, but you don't think that somebody <laughs> else is looking at that? I mean, it's not what I would do, but you don't think there's somebody else that's like, no, you got to take risk. Anderson Cooper took the risk. Yes, I looked at others who had done this during the Vietnam War, and yes. that was the blueprint that I was following. So yeah, I get it. You know, I will say the battlefields of the world are littered with like the corpses of young people who are trying to become reporters and... It's not a, you know, a good idea, but, um, also contractually, you were saying how people look at me contractually, no one's allowed to actually look me in the eyes. Um, it's okay. Then that's different. And by the way, that's, I, you should let me know, uh, the correct language so that I can use that as well. I think that's brilliant. (laughs) Uh, I I would look to use it as well. If I could, we're laughing, we're having a good time, but I got to pay some bills. Guys, I'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more gold mines after this. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work 
where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We are back in the Steelers Gold Mines, and we're talking to Anderson Cooper, yeah. dude. This is this is absolutely fascinating. I I I love I love just where we are right <laughs> now. CNN, I mean, look at this point, like you're talking about the news, you're talking about you found a career. Um, as you're doing this, you know the opportunities for new uh, hire or new positions. Of course, they're coming about. Were you being courted by a lot at this at this time? No, 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 no. So I, I was doing, the, I did this. So I was, when I first started out, I was working for a thing called Channel One, which in the early 90s was a 12 minute news program seen in about half the high schools and middle schools in America. So I was, I was going to all these war zones for this 12 minute show that was for seen in schools. <laughs> and I, and so I was like, um, I mean, no adults other than teachers ever saw this, but it was, it was seen by like 8 million kids every day. Um, but it was, it was big in the South, in the Midwest, in schools, they were watching it like in homeroom and it had two minutes of commercials, which paid for the whole thing. Anyway, uh, I was just, I did that for like three years and I would show up in stories on places with my little home video camera. And ultimately like they gave me a producer and I learned from some producers. And so we would all go like two of us or three of us would go and we would all shoot our, on cameras. But like people would be like, who are you here for? Who are you working with? And I'd say, oh, I'm working with Channel One News. And they'd be like, what the fuck is that? What? I'm sorry, what? And then they'd be like, you're risking your life for educational TV? <laughs> We're on the school circuit. Right, right, exactly. That's seen in middle schools. And like girls would fax in like letters like, oh, I'm so worried about you. And guys would fax in like, I hope you get shot and we can videotape. And you videotape oh, it. Oh, my God. So I would oh videotape all this stuff that was happening. Like I would be running to, you know, my car ran out of gas in Sniper's Alley in Bosnia. And I, you know, was running with the camera to refill it and, you know, and there's people shooting. And so it was, it was exciting. The stuff was interesting. And finally, uh, Newsweek wrote a little article about Channel One and they featured my stuff because it was unusual. And uh, ABC News read that article. They asked for a tape and I thought it was a joke. I was like, yeah. And so it took me a couple months to put together a tape. I finally realized it wasn't, I sent it to them and they hired me as like the youngest correspondent they'd hired in a long time back then. So yeah, it's weird. Oh my God. Your reel was amazing. I had a good reel. I will say I had a really your good reel. was yeah. amazing. You had a, had a action movie. Reel I, that's totally what it was. In fact, I put it to running. a soundtrack of like, um, a song by the beastie boys. I think it was, but, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was good. It started out with a shootout in South Africa that was just nuts. And you got to make a promise to me that at some point in time, <laughs> you have to let me see the room at some point in time. I don't care when I'm going to see you. I'm going to bum it to you. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, uh, the upcoming new year's 
Okay, uh, 2024 <laughs> ball drop. I will I will make it a point to yeah, call okay. it again. Right. You have to promise me that at that point you say, Kev, uh, give me a cell. <laughs> I'm sending you the link. Look at this right now so I can see it and then give okay. you my live feedback oh, I love that. as to what I felt. Because <laughs> what, what I am picturing right now is like Will Smith and Martin and Bad Boys, but it's just you and your and your camera and you running into the And I had brown hair with like a big flock of seagulls <laughs> swoop. <laughs> yeah. God. You are nuts. You are fucking nuts. You are an absolute maniac. Like, what do you? This is for a twelve-minute middle school news. Yeah. Show. yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't care. Oh, it didn't God, matter to me what it was stories. on. I was just, just it yeah. allowed me to go, and they pay. They would pay me like I think like two thousand dollars a story initially, and which I could live. I could live on two thousand dollars in you know. On the sleeping on a roof in Mogadishu for two weeks. Oh my god! You know? Yeah, yeah. This is no. This is this is absolutely insane. And you know, guys, when we talk about gold mines, and you talk about the reason. Like this is the stuff that is that is underneath. That is underneath some of the most amazing people that you admire, that you watch, that you see. The stories that are underneath. You starting out. I mean, you must have just shown up anywhere you could get a gig. And just absolutely, just as much time on stage in front of an audience in the middle of nowhere, just doing it over and over and over and over again. Anderson, I remember performing at a bowling alley. I remember trying <laughs> to say my punchlines and hearing people yell "strike." I, I I can go, I can go and tell you some shit. I I performed at Crab Fest where I had to watch people cracking crabs, and and I've performed at like uh, another one. There was like a rib, I, there was like a rib and chili cook off, right? And I'll never forget this. It was a, it was like a Philly picnic, and they were doing like a chili cook-off but i was supposed to be the the performance like before they gave out who won the best chili and i i've never seen people not give a fuck about what i was talking about more when i tell you these greedy fucking people were destroying this chili they didn't care about what i was saying these buckets i'm talking buckets of chili so many buckets of chili i left so disgusted at what i saw just eating like dipping cups and these buckets of chili tasting chili. That one ain't good. No, that one ain't good. As I'm talking, I'm over here trying to do bits. Yeah, whoever, you ever get on the bus, they don't give a fuck about what I'm saying. I should have quit a long time ago. You really want me to get into it? I tell you all the shit that I had to go through. Performed at a mail review. No, really? That's a true story, Anderson. A male strip club in Atlantic City called Sweet Cheeks. They, they wanted me to warm up the crowd before the the dancers oh came oh out, a woman woman says to me, "I never forget it. This is exactly what she said. I say a joke. The joke didn't work. This is what I heard. Oh no! <laughs> it's clear as day. I've never hey, Anderson Anderson. Do you hear me? I didn't hear oh. a fuck you, Kevin. Oh, a get off the stage. Oh, a you suck. I heard something so wow. much more demoralizing. This woman said." Oh no! <laughs> like she was so disappointed oh my at my choice of life, at what oh. I chose to do. Oh I was God. mad. You at a strip club, lady? Why are you judging me? You, 
You here for loose change. I know what you here for. It's fucking sad. Uh, but you know what? Without that, without that road full of cobblestone, you don't get to that goddamn smooth highway. So I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. Um, right now we're talking about semi-retirement. I mean, you're not retired, but you're like in a very relaxed, calm state. Um, what does Anderson do outside of parenting? What are the hobbies? What is what's the other stuff? What do you do? What's the vice? Come on, man. What's the vice? (laughs) What are you doing? What 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 are you spending the money on? What is the what's the entertainment? Are you a movie buff? Do you gamble? I do not gamble. Yeah, I know you play. You're a big poker player. I I, I do not gamble. See, the, uh, gambling again, because uh, I'm secretly in my head. I, I'm a ten year old child still. The idea of like voluntarily giving up money to, you know, I'll tell you why I never gamble. Because once when I was like eleven or twelve with my modeling money, I got sucked into like a three card Monty game on the streets in New York. I mean, this was like 1979 or something, and I was the biggest mark you have ever seen. I literally, I thought, oh my God, the card is obviously right there. This is so, I was like, I'm going to reach in, I'm going to put out, and I think it was like a $50 bill I gave, and boom, it was gone, gone. And then a nice lady in the crowd took me aside to help me for the next time. And I, like a sucker, desperate for adults in my life, Embrace her, and she and I play the next round together, and boom, another fifty dollars is gone. And at that point, I'm like, I start weeping because the idea that I have just wasted and got suckered into this like an idiot. You know what? I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. This this actually may be the only thing that I can say in my life that's probably that's probably close to racism. Three car Monty in New York was designed for the white person with no common sense uh, th- to yes, stop that was to me stop and go what's i i know where it is it's always <laughs> it's 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 always it's always the same type of person uh, it's right there in the and middle. I, I looked around as if yeah. does no one else obviously know? Of course it's right there. This is I'm, of course I'm going to get involved because now I see an advantage that I can I can take advantage of my high intelligence. My 11 year old. I can't be the smartest person here. Oh my god! You guys are idiots if you don't know it's in the middle. Yeah, that's that's what that game is built off of. Yeah, never gambled again. What is it? Is it, is it food or your restaurant guy or your wine guy? I don't care about food. I don't, I, re, I really don't have, I'm really, I'm dull. Like I work for me has been the entire focus and mm-hmm. I like being like, you know, I like to dating and being, you know, in a relationship with somebody, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm not currently. Tech, uh, design, decor. I like, yeah, I like, I like buildings. I like houses. I like uh, architecture. Okay. So yeah. So yes, I okay. have, I have. Now we get into it. There yeah. we go. Yeah, yeah. And my mom was a big real estate, interior. real estate like things. Yes, real estate. The idea of that's, designing. That's my Achilles. Uh, okay. The idea of a project. I like, I like a project. So okay. I always have a project going on. Then that's not dope. like Ellen level projects, but you know, uh, but something. I like to have, I like to have a project. Yeah. No, no, oh no, I'm not a, no. like, I have no money sense whatsoever. So I just believe in like saving as much as I can and keep working okay. because I believe it will all be taken away 
And no investing, no nothing. No. Well, no, I, I do, but I'm sure it's all, I don't know. I mean, there's allegedly I have investments, but I've never seen them. I mean, how do you know what you have? Do you have the stock certificates? Oh, how do you know? How do you know you're not? See them. Yes. How do you know Bernie yes, Madoff? What do you mean you can see them? You see them you on, on some you paper need... that somebody has printed out for you. I, I don't know if that's real. Well, I just, you know I believe it's all going to be company. taken away. Well, what you do have you mean to a company is real. That's an idea in your head. I mean, there, there's nothing. No, Anderson, I actually have a company that's real. So if people <laughs> are investing into my company. I I know that their money sits here and how they make their money back. Oh, if where, I where's that, where's that company, money sitting? It's in some place well, that you believe it's there. No, it's actually in the bank, Anderson. That's where it goes. That's where. Okay, it's I not, just don't. It's I'm not, not imaginary. I I just I feel like it's all going to be taken away. So I just need to keep what? working. Explain who's I, coming to take it. I don't know. I don't know. I just I I believe. Because <laughs> I, I look, I've been in places that seemed really legit, and then the whole country falls apart. I've been in places where the entire yeah. society falls apart. And do you know what yes. it's like trying to get your money out of a bank when the society falls apart? It's not easy. Well, when that happens, what do you think? I mean, you think you think that you'll be one of what? Like, what is the idea there? Like, if that happens, then I, I, everybody's done. There's yes, no, everybody's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, you I, think I, your cash yeah. stash is going to save you? You think no? Cash I don't is have a matter? cash stash. No, I <laughs> That's put my it all. Point. I put so, it all in gummy bears because I can always eat yeah, it. Gummy bear and be happy. But no, so you know, uh, what? Yeah, I will. I, I will embrace this. Yeah. I will embrace this with you, okay? I will entertain this because I, I'm going to be honest with you here. I am a catastrophic thinker as oh, well. I, here's I, what I mean by I'm that. a catastrophist. I am a, yes, I am. <laughs> catastrophist. Because that's a good word. I, to me, catastrophist, beautiful. like pessimistic is so negative. Catastrophist sounds sort of exciting and interesting. It's, it's, it's a beautiful word to explain what I think we both would be in line with. I am a... When it hits the fan, how much protection do I have against the crazy amount of wind that's going to come? Like, like, okay, so what am I really prepared for, right? I'm prepared for, if, if we got hit with like, okay, I'm prepared for two things. Here's how I think, okay? You remember the movie, what's the movie where they, uh, where they shut down? Like they shut down for a day and everybody purge. Or right, you remember the okay, purge? Yeah, of course, yeah. The movie The Purge. Yes. So if the purge presented itself and people like tried to come to where I am, right. I'm prepared to defend. Right. Okay. okay that's right. that's one yeah, level yeah. of thinking. Yes. Like I can lock down, defend, like right. I can do a lot. You right? can hold out for a I'm while. Also, yeah. I'm also prepared. Like I can I can hold them off <laughs> for a minute. Like I got some. I got some shit. All right. I'm prepared. Okay. I'm also prepared if if like we get hit with a fucking earthquake from all earthquakes and it's like, right. oh God, right? I'm prepared. Like I'm like earthquake earthquake kits in the house, in right. the cars, okay, you know, in the okay. offices. Good. Like okay. I'm I'm like, and there's like a lot of them, right? <laughs> like, like like I'm gonna be able to, uh -huh. I'm gonna give a lot of people like some some fucking, uh, you know, the dry food, the water. Right. Like I'm no, prepared. You got it. Okay. okay. Uh, the other thing that I thought about, and I swear to God, this is this is on my parents. I actually mm. had to be talked off of this. I was thinking about a bunker for the time. I was like, I understand if, that. If it like really like in 
it got crazy. Like, where can I go and have built? <laughs> this is that. But then, yeah. Okay, but then how do you get there? That's that's the right, thing. I was right. like, I was like, yeah. But then I probably got to spend. I got to spend a lot of money on really getting a tunnel like that right. can get me to where right. I got. Because go. if you the think you're, if you, get, I, I have a friend, a guy who has a lot of money who who has has done this, has has planned this out, and like preps and has practiced it and done dry yeah. runs. <laughs> What he does not understand, what he doesn't understand is because I have done a study of, I have spent years in places where this happens. So I have seen what happens when New York City is surrounded and people are lobbing mortars into it. Like this happened in Sarajevo. The, the person who can wire together stuff becomes the king of the block and gets a small little army around them of other people who can wire together stuff. And they become the new rulers. You are the funny guy who entertains them. And so yeah. therefore yeah. Th- they don't kill you. So maybe that yeah. will, that will be a thing. But like if you, yeah. I have a, my friend who has a lot of money and resources thinks that he's going to get to the a local airport where his helicopter and his pilot are going to be to take him away to some place. What he doesn't realize is that that helicopter pilot is going to bring his family and get into the helicopter and leave long before he ever gets Everybody to the airport. Can. Yeah. They're not every, they're right. not a work for hire anymore. <laughs> no, that, that whole work for hire buddy. thing yes, that, that goes out the that, window. They're gone. <laughs> right. They're gone, buddy. Yes. Hey, yeah. hey, Sage, do me a favor. Get the car, come around back, meet me. I, we're going to the plane. So you can take us over, sir. Sir, I have what about my family? My wife, my kids, and my cousins. Hey, Sage, you're on fucking payroll. So don't you fucking tell me right. about you're, your family. You're, right? you're on, we right, need you're to get the fuck out of here. Right. You figure you're, that out after we land. All right. right. Now, now, now I need you to drive this plane. Yeah, right. You're on the you're by the way, you're on the automated payroll every two weeks that no longer oh functions. God. Oh my <laughs> right. God. You're right. I need to I need to start talking to my pilot and, and plan this out better. Cause I think I had the same idea. I think I still feel like the people that are on my staff are going oh, to yeah. staff. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's right. over. It's over. The bunker needs to be close to my house. The problem it's, with the that's bunker the case. is it's gotta be it's beneath like, your house. Yeah, it's gotta be close. There's nothing worse than shit hitting the fan. And then you can't get to the bunker yes. because it's across town. Well, right. you just wasted money on the secret bunker that you can never get to. That's the right. bunker's got to be close. And who else has we the just keys to the, the major bunker? Code. Who has the keys to the oh bunker? Oh, my God. This if, is Sa- if, Sage, I mean? if Sage has the keys to the bunker. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. <laughs> <Sage>. <laughs> Open the door, Sage. You son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. You're going to leave me on the outside? <laughs> sorry, sir. Sorry. Sorry, Mr. Hart. I know. I'm sorry. But unfortunately, I have my family and all of my friends in here. And we got here first. What are you, who's in there? Well, at least give me some of the earthquake kits. Can't do, sir. I spent my life preparing for this moment only to have it sniped, only to have it sniped from under me as soon as shit hit the fan. You're absolutely right. Anderson, God damn it. I got to think it through. Uh, is there anything else? Is there anything else that Anderson wants to do before it's all said and done? Is there any more goals that you feel uh, you have? Yeah, listen, I, I, I work for 60 Minutes at CBS, which I, I love doing that. And um, I'd, I'd love to do a piece about you on 60 Minutes. I think you'd be. Oh, my God. You, Sign like me up. You need, like you 
need another thing done, but I, I think you. That what do you also- mean? This is the. This is what I. This is why I like you. Uh-huh. This is why I'm a fan. It's not like do you. You have done amazing work. Uh, your career speaks for itself. But every time we've talked, mm-hmm. it's this. Like yeah, when yeah. when and it doesn't matter if it's live, taped, whatever. Like you're you are yeah. a personality, and you feed off of the engine that you're across from and this is like what do you mean i'll do it in a heartbeat i would (laughs) talk to you and laugh with you and joke with you uh that that's one of the most like for me one of the most intriguing things about you just is uh it's it's extremely warm and welcoming and never hard and even when you're even when you're standing in line right like you're never you're never out of you're never out of emotion and out of pocket when you're dealing with what you feel to be true and facts and you know even in the world of debate and high level of it when i when i've seen you do it it's never out of control it's never mm-hmm. your professionalism is always there but okay. you know there, there's still a likability to you when you do it and i think that's the that's the best thing about those that have lasted um in front of the camera for yeah. for a long time right there's a likability that should be attached I totally agree with that. I, 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 um, you know, I don't know. I hope I continue to, um, I mean, I, I, I love what I'm doing. I love the opportunities I have. I love, you know, the work at CNN and 60 minutes. I like being able to write. And, um, I did a podcast on grief that was meaningful to me, um, that I'll probably do another one of, um, but you know, I just, I want to be a good person and I want to get better as a person and I want to be there for my kids. And, I want to continue to do stuff that I think is real and not become, you know, somebody who, uh, yeah, I want to be somebody who my kids will look up to and, or at least look at and think I'm a decent person. So um, I think you're doing it, man. I don't, I don't have like a, there's not like a something I think, Oh, if I could only get this job or I, you know, I just want to keep doing stuff that seems meaningful to me. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to end it here because I'm no dummy. Uh, you end on a high, not on the low. And what an amazing conversation this yeah, was. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, really fun. It was, it was so dope to not just, of course, talk to you, but just to hear so much interesting shit. Like your perspective as a child, how the perspective grew and, and got you to a place of, of understanding what you wanted and the thing you wanted uh, ended up being so much more. And now, you know, it comes full circle. You're, you're obviously a person that, that cares. You're obviously a person that wants to help and, and be a part of change. And, you know, I, I think it speaks volume to your character. So as you say, you want to be a good person. I think you're doing an amazing job of going in that direction and your kids are very lucky to have you as a father. And I love, I love the co-parenting uh, idea. Like, you know, I love, Hey, we split up, we're not together, but we're still here. We still live together and we are doing it uh, with a high level of understanding and still love. Just, we didn't work out. Like it's very adult and more people need to hear and see the versions of adult like that, that uh, present themselves. So shout out to you. Shout out to him as well, man. Um, Anderson, I'm a fan. I'm a fan and I appreciate you and I mean it. You know, I don't, I don't say things just to say it. I say it because I, I mean it. And in this case, I, I do mean every single word that I said when I say I'm a fan, uh, hopefully can be more of a friend in the future. I would love to do 60 minutes with you. All right. You fucking say the word. I don't have okay. time, but I'll make 60 <laughs> minutes to do the 60 minutes with you. Um, right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is gold mines. And today 
What an amazing mind we got into. This is Anderson Cooper. Thank you, Anderson. Thanks, Kevin. It was awesome. Gold Mines with Kevin Hart is a serious XM and LOL radio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.